Hey, good evening once again, everybody. Let's give it up for the worship team. That was incredible. Come on. Seriously, thank you guys. So good. Hey, I just want to say again that um, we're so glad that you're here tonight. And, you know, I think it's really good that you're here. Because God has something really good for each and every one of us tonight. As we've already experienced, you know, like price of admission, if there had been a price of admission, would have already been worth it. But um, what we're going to do now is my, it's my honor to introduce Chad to you guys and to welcome up here, my new friend. But before I do that, we're going to take an offering for him. So the ushers want to get ready to come down. Um, there's a couple different ways you can give. And before you do, I just want to say that this is like my, one of my, if I'm being honest, one of my favorite parts about having guest speakers and having conferences is the opportunity to give to their ministries and to sow into what they're doing. Because, um, you know, the church is so much bigger than, you guys don't need to receive the offering just yet, just wait a second. Um, the church is so much bigger, obviously, than the Northwest, bigger than our city, bigger than our nation. And when we have somebody like Chad coming in who really represents that and is going places um, in the world that other people aren't going and going all around the nation, we get to sow in to what God's doing. And it's, it's like, honestly, our privilege to be able to be generous and to do that. And from the moment Chad's got here, we picked Chad over the airport, just felt like he was so engaged with us. And so, you know, like giving us his attention. And it's been the same in the ministry as he's been here. So let's just say thank you, Chad, for really pouring out to us. And man, um, thanks for being here tonight. So you can give a couple of different ways. Make checks out to Vineyard Northwest. You can give on our app. Just use the drop-down menu that says guest speaker. Or you can just give cold hard cash. And uh, everything that goes into the baskets tonight uh, goes to Chad. So how cool would it be, like my dad said last night, if through our generosity we could send him on a trip somewhere that he couldn't go otherwise. Um, so that, that'd be really cool. But ushers, you can go ahead and receive the offering. Go ahead and start collecting the offering. So I just want to tell you really quick that this morning when we did the outreach, a lot of amazing stuff happened. We had one person recommit their life to Jesus. Several people, come on, yeah. Several people, um, several people got healed. Just, you know, dozens of people were encouraged, accurate prophetic words, um, just experiencing God's love for the first time. And really, we got to go take it outside the walls. So I just want to say that as Chad comes up tonight, Jesus said that if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. So when we receive an evangelist in the name of an evangelist, we'll receive an evangelist reward. And uh, Chad, we just want to welcome you up. Come on up, man. All right. It's working. Mike is working. Uh, yeah, we had a blast. Um, we, had, uh, we had one girl go into a nail salon and start singing Amazing Grace. That was, that was pretty fun. That, that, that breaks the fear of man, that's for sure. Uh, uh, we, we got to pray for uh, a Buddhist. She, I asked her if she wanted to experience the Father's love for the first time, and, or if she's ever felt the, like the Father's love before. She's like, no, I've never felt the Father's love before. And I'm like, okay, well, can we, can we pray for you? And she's like, sure. She started crying and you know, just feeling overwhelmed with the presence of God and was like, I've never felt that before. And then we got to pray for a guy's business. Uh, 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 Wilson introduced us to him and we went to his shop and prayed uh, for his business for favor and, and for business transactions the whole deal and we're getting ready wrapping up 
And he tells us, he starts confessing, like, hey, guys, will you pray for me? I have anxiety. I can't sleep well, all this different stuff. And so we start praying for him. And then as we leave, the phone's ringing. And he comes, you know, because the phone, we leave, and he comes and tracks me down and says, you wouldn't believe that was like several customers, like several places of business that want my business. And they're all, they're coming here in like a half an hour. And I was like, wow, that's awesome, you know? So... And then, and then Rainer, my buddy, saw him like a little later and, and the sunlight was hitting him. And he's like, look at the sun's all over you. And, and the guy like tried to move out of the way. He's like, you can't get away from it. The sun's on you. You know, and so it was just, uh, he, was just getting, he was just getting bombarded by the Father's love. And it was, uh, it was a blast. It was a good, it was a really good Saturday. Uh, it was, uh, you know, over, over 100 people getting prayed for is a really good Saturday. Like, that's a hundred strangers that, that walked out their door not expecting to, like, encounter God. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, anyways, uh, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for marriages right now. And I've uh, been married 12 years. Uh, my wife and I, we, our first date, we saw some pretty crazy stuff. I think I shared that when I was here four years ago, our first date. But it was, it was an epic first date. We went to the emergency room, saw a bunch of people get healed in the emergency room. It was pretty awesome. Our first time going to the movies, I don't know if I shared about my first time going to the movies here, but uh, we went to go see a movie called Bruce Almighty. And uh, we were just dating. It's our first movie. And, uh, you know, I take, like, when I took Julia, when I was dating her, the reason why I'm going to pay like 25 bucks to go to the movies and buy the extra chocolates and the, the Coke and the popcorn is hopefully I get to hold this girl's hand. Hopefully I get to put my arm around her. Hopefully there's like some sweet nothings, like you look incredibly cute with the movie light hitting your face. I mean, that's why I'm paying the money. It isn't just to go see Jim Carrey and Morgan Freeman. And I'm sitting next to this, this amazing, you know, girl, like who's just incredibly, incredibly cute. And... So we're sitting there, and she leans towards me. It's towards the end of the movie, and she says, honey. And I'm just like, oh, here it is, the sweet nothings. This is what I paid for right here. You know, I'm just basking in the sweet nothings. And she says, honey, the Lord just spoke to me and told me to give an altar call. (laughs) That is just as good as I look incredibly cute, you know, with the movie light hitting my face. And so she was looking at me, though, like I'm, you know, she's the prophet, and I'm the evangelist. So she got the word of the Lord, now I need to go carry it out. And I looked at her and I said, honey, I'm here to be your ministry team. I'm here to, you know, to, to catch them when they fall. Like, I think you need to preach. You got the word. And so I said, I'll go up with you to the, to the projector, to the movie screen. And we waited to the ending credits and we went up there and she got everyone's attention and said, uh, just begin to talk and articulate the Father's love and give this altar call. And she started feeling electricity. I didn't know this. This was her experience, and also we'd only been dating for like a month, so I didn't know that this is how God, you know, moved uh, with my wife and on my wife, is she would feel electricity go up and down, and she would have to run. So she's feeling this in the middle of doing an altar call message, and she runs out of the movie theater, like midway <laughs> through the message, and I'm going, oh, wow, what, why did she just take off, you know, and so I kind of picked up where she left off, and I start, you know, just said, hey, if you want to know Jesus, just bow your head, say this prayer. And I run out of the movie theater looking for my wife, and I'm in the parking lot, and she has these two guys kind of cornered in the parking lot, and she's doing this. And I'm like, oh, she's prophesying. And so I go running over there, and these two guys didn't come out of Bruce Almighty. They came out of a movie called Fast and the Furious. So all they were thinking about was stealing cars and going fast, you know? So, so 
I, I get over there and she says, I see you in your bedroom to one guy. And I see your uh, bed. You have a black comforter. Next to the black comforter is a red desk. On the red desk are these four books. You're going to university. These are your four classes you're taking. You're going to teach English in other countries. Over your bed is a map of the world. Pinpointed is this nation, that nation, this nation. And the guy that's not receiving the prophetic word, the friend, he's looking at me and then he starts poking me in the shoulder. And he says, are you guys aliens? <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, I mean, we kind of are, you know, like Paul said, we're foreigners, we're ambassadors of heaven, aliens. And I was like, no, he's not going to get that. So I say, hey, this is a good, you know, this is a good time to introduce the prophetic. So I said, this is the prophetic. We're hearing the father's voice, the father in heaven. He created you. He knows your desires. He's the author of your desires and your dreams. He knows you intimately, but he desires that you would know him intimately. And he's made a way for you to know him intimately. And that is Jesus. Would you like to know the creator of the universe as your best friend? And they said, yeah. So we lead him to Jesus. And then we introduce our other best friend, the Holy Spirit. And so we don't have uh, catchers. We're, 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 we don't have carpet. And we just pray for him. And the Holy Spirit just hits them. And the power of God, and they're shaking under the presence of God, like violently. And this guy comes driving over and says, oh, wow, are these two young men having seizures? Do we need to call for an ambulance? And I go, oh, no, no, no. They're just receiving some prayer right now. Um, God's touching them. Do you need prayer for anything? And the guy's all, uh-uh. And he hits the gas and takes off. But that was our first time going to the movies. And, you know, just we had a recent date night. Uh, and it's pretty normal for us. You know, that, that we pray for people on our date nights. It's not like it's all consumed with that, but there is, you know, moments when we'll just like, okay, hey, we need to prophesy over these people. We need to pray over these people. And, and sometimes you're protecting date night in the areas of when you're in full-time ministry and all that stuff. You want there to be just times of connection and there's always time to pray for people. But then there's moments, you know, there's moments when God is shouting from the rooftops and, and just, just a really big key is moments of inconvenience. When you are inconvenienced ridiculously, it's probably a moment to pray for someone, to either prophesy over someone, pray for healing, encourage somebody, do something, do something, you know, worship, you know, that, that if it's a moment of inconvenience that, uh, and I have a lot of different stories, it's actually an opportunity for breakthrough. That it's really communicating what do you value more? When you say you want to grow into healing, you watch for inconvenient moments to pray for healing. And it's actually, that's your moment of impartation. That's your moment of breakthrough, which, which will determine what do you value more? Do you value what man thinks? Do you value that, that man-pleasing you know, fear of man or unbelief? Or do you value, well, I want to grow in this place with the Lord and I'm going to make it a priority and I'm going to have it be one, number one in my value system. And so uh, we, in that context, I was, going for, I was going to Australia for like 10 days. And so me and Julia, we're going to get one last quick date night in before we leave for Australia. So when you are, go to dinner in Reading, you usually bump into about a good six or eight of your friends because it's such a small town. So we decided, let's go get food to go. We'll go to the Sundial Bridge and not, uh, we'll eat in our cars or in our car, uh, but we have two parking lots of the Sundial Bridge, like the main one, then there's one further down where not many people park. And so we went all the way down there. It's nighttime. There's no reason really for people to be walking in this area. And this lady, like we just got our food out. We're there for five minutes. And this lady pulls up in a white Ford Explorer, pulls up right next to us. She has hundreds of car uh, spot options. 
and she chooses to park right next to us. And I go, oh, it's date night. Like, like, didn't this lady get the memo? Like, what, you know, we have to move now. Should I ask her to move? And, and I'm, I'm talking to Julia, and Julia's like, yeah, we, we should probably just move. We'll just drive away. And, I, and I'm about ready to drive away, and I go, wait a second. This is too, like, crazy. This is too inconvenient that she would choose out of all the parking spaces to park right next to us. So I roll down Julia's window because she was on Julia's side. Get her roll down her window. And I said, excuse me, I just want to let you know we're on date night right now. And she looks at us like, oh, well, I'm so sorry to stumble into your date night. And I said, no, we feel like God brought you here for us to pray for you. And I, I, I begin to tell her, uh, were you in a car accident uh, three weeks ago and you have severe pain in your lower back? And she just goes, yes, I do. And I said, but uh, um, God really wants you to know that you are called to Africa and he called you there when you were five years old. And she just begins to just weep. She says, I came here to the river to commit suicide, to jump off the bridge. And that I told God, if you're real and if you love me, you will speak to me today. And if you don't speak to me by 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to kill, my, kill myself. And when she was five years old, she watched a documentary on Africa. And at that moment, she heard a voice say, this is one of the places that you will go. You'll live. And uh, so she's just weeping. We go over there. We start, you know, just kind of helping her through getting healed up in a couple of different areas. And, and then we, I asked her, I knew that I needed to give her money for a passport. And I said, do you have a passport? And she says, no. And I said, okay, we're going to give you money, but you could only spend this on a passport. God is, God is, is, is breathing on your dreams and he's breaking disappointment. He's breaking hopelessness off of you. And she's just a mess. And so, you know, that was, that was a fun date night. <laughs> Got to uh, invest in the nations. And uh, it's just something that we do in, in our marriage, that we just love to minister together. The, the couple that drinks together stays together. You know, that, that the real good meetings are the ones that Julia and I both had to be carried out. Like, like, there's just something that happens when you are able to minister together and then also just getting touched together, getting blasted together. God, you know, wrecking you and wrecking your wife at the same time is really, really good. It's really healthy. But, uh, but another thing that we see in our marriage is we get given free vacations, which is awesome. I, I, is, are you guys okay with that? Like, uh, yeah, I mean... You can only give away what you have. So that is one of the things that we pray for quite a bit for, for people is free vacations, that they would get ridiculous favor. Uh, there was a woman in New Zealand who was healed of cancer. Uh, we prayed for her. She got healed uh, uh, of breast cancer. And so she had an island in Fiji and she gave us her island for a week. That's called the favor of God right there. That's, that's, that's the fog. You know, so, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool because we got, to, they had like 30 staff members and we got to pray for all staff members and saw them get healed and, and some of them got delivered and, and man, the service was so much better once they got like delivered and healed, <laughs> you know, like we would get couples massages and before we did that, we would pray for like, Hey, do you guys have arthritis in your wrist? And they'd be like, yeah, a lot of pain in the wrist and we'd pray for them. And then the massages were so much better once they got healed. <laughs> it was awesome. But if you're married, uh, well, I want you to stand up right now. 
It doesn't matter if your spouse is here or not, but if you're married, just stand up. And I just want to pray for marriages, and I just want to pray that that in marriage, that your spouse is the safest person, your greatest cheerleader, and that it's that your spouse is someone that you share your dreams with and you step into your dreams with. You know, my wife and I in 2008, God spoke to us about going around the world. And so we bought around the world ticket for 18 months. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no ministry connections. I would say in about 14 of the nations we went to, we had no contacts whatsoever. We knew no one in that nation. And we had to book the ticket and, you know, map out where we were going to go and all the dates right when we bought it. So we're like, you know, this is in uh, June or July, and we're mapping out where we'll be in January. And we're like, Indonesia, we'll be there for the whole month of January. Do we have anywhere to go? Nope. Do we know anybody there? Nope. But we're going. And it was amazing. It was an incredible adventure. And I just want to pray over all the marriages here that you have adventures together, whether it's in your backyard or whether it's going to another country that you would have adventures together, that, that, that you would, uh, I just pray that you would return to some of us the joy of our marriage, just like David prayed, return to be the joy of my salvation, that, that there would be joy in our marriages, that we would begin to model here in Cincinnati what marriage, what love looks like, and that we would be safe to share our dreams, that we would feel championed in our marriage, that we would feel that our marriage is the safest place to be us. And Lord, I pray for free vacations. I pray, Lord, people would just get text messages, emails. Hey, I have a house in Cabo. Do you want it? It's free for a week. Uh, that the, maybe the mall contacts you and you didn't even go into the drawing of the mall. But, but they like said, hey, you just want a free cruise. And it's like, man, I didn't even put in my name in there. Like, I just pray for favor. And I pray, Lord, that you would begin to bless marriages. And I pray, Lord, that they would see revival and date nights. That they would see evangelism and date nights. That they would see people get saved, healed, and delivered. That, that they would be, uh, um, I just feel like some of you, you're going to go on date night and you're going to go to like soup kitchens. Like you're going to go and just give food away and that, that it's going to be something that just brings life into your marriage. And so Lord, I just thank you for, for just a marriage that pours themselves out together and also receives together. And so Lord, just wreck marriages in this place. Amen. 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 Jesus. You guys are awesome. Uh, you know, you kept on saying, like, I think you guys are declaring something, prophesying over me by, you know, the offering, uh, saying, hey, let's send somewhere where Chad can't go, where the place can't can, uh, afford getting me a ticket. And I think it's going to be, I don't care, it doesn't matter if you give me more than enough to buy a plane ticket. But I think the place that I really want to go to is Puerto Rico. That there's just, like, I just love, you know, going and responding to natural disaster. I've done natural disaster relief most of my life. Uh, I've done a lot of trauma relief as well. Like, when 9-11 happened, I drove to New York, and I was there the next day, and I did trauma counseling. And then at Hurricane Katrina, I was at the Astrodome. Oh, man, I should share a story about the Astrodome. Like, it was, it was so much fun. I had a dream that I was in the Astrodome. So what happened was the Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, and they took everyone from the convention center, which was, you know, and then they took people from um, the, the Superdome and brought them over to the Astrodome in Houston. And so I went to Houston, and I was with Chris Overstreet, Joaquin Evans, and to go place with like Chris Overstreet, we were flying into Houston. Like there was nobody on the plane except for firefighters and Red Cross guys. 
And they were telling us that we'll never be able to get in to the Astrodome because you have to be a Red Cross worker for like two years or you have to have the, you know, the press, all these different credentials. And so Chris Overstreet, we have like two video cameras and, and Chris is very loud. You guys know who Chris Overstreet is? Some of you maybe. He's like the evangelist at Bethel. And so he, and he is your typical evangelist, like, you know, just loud and, and, and crazy and just like, you know, it's just, you were at Costco together and he'd be like, Hey, over there in the blue shirt, God's got a plan for your life. You know, like that's just what he does. So we're walking like the national guard is there and, and he's got a camera. He's like revival. We're going to see revival. And there's just like no cameras, no, like, and, and Bob Jones, right before leaving calls me and says, Chad, you know, the, the, the spiritual door in heaven uh, is going to be open to you, but it's uh, Caleb will be opening the door to your left. And then like Bob just kind of sometimes talks and like riddles and all stuff. And I just, but, but the gist of it was the door in front of you will be closed, but the door to the left will be open. And, but he made it like sound so spiritual. And so just like the Eagle's crest beneath the wing of the, ta- you know, like you're just like, what the, and, and, and so anyways, Chris is super loud and we're going through security and they look at us and just start laughing. Like, what are you guys thinking? You guys can't come in here. And then when they say that, I get reminded of Bob Jones's like encrypted, you know, word. And I'm like, wait a second, the door is closed. Let's try the entrance to the left. And Chris is just as crazy and loud as he was in this, you know, in the second door as he was the first door. But we walk right in. They just like, let us go through. We're like videotaping. It's saying no cameras, no like anything. And Chris is like, revival, you know, like we have no press badges, nothing. And it's 30,000 people. And we walk in there. And there's this lady that is on a cot, which is like her house now. And she has three herniated discs and she's bedridden. She she's just cannot get up. She can't even sit up. She's in so much pain. They had to carry her uh, from New Orleans all the way over to, the, to Houston. And so we're praying for her. She's praying for her for like two minutes. She gets up out of the cot. She just starts weeping. She says, there's no pain. There's no pain. There's no pain. And then I, I, I looked at her uh, mom and I started getting words of knowledge about her mom. And her mom, like, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. And then we, we led the lady who had 380 discs and then her daughter. So like the grandma, the mom, and the, and the daughter get completely saved. They just get rocked by the love of God. And then, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. But then, like, it was crazy. You know, like, I love crazy. I love crazy when God is involved. That it, it was like this crazy, you know, like healing, whatever you want to call it, portal. I don't know what you want to call it biblically, but people started walking by. Like, this woman had a wrist brace, and she started screaming, I'm on fire, I'm on fire, my wrist, my wrist. And I said, pull off your wrist brace. No one prays for her. No one makes eye contact. And then another lady is walking by, and she passes out. And, and, and so she's on the ground and we're like, are you okay? And, and this police officer comes over and, and, and she goes, I, I feel like I'm drunk, but I don't have any alcohol on me. I'm an alcoholic. I've been craving alcohol, but I, but I walked by you guys and I felt this wave just come over me. And I don't know what that wave was. And I'm like, that's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. And, and the cop's like, well, are you going to be okay? And she's like, I'm better than okay. And so we lead her to the Lord. We, you know, we end, she ends up getting delivered of, of, of addiction and the whole deal. And this, uh, this lady with the 300 discs, she goes into the uh, wheelchair section. She's like, you got to have these men pray for you right now. You got to have these men. So we start praying for the people in the wheelchairs. We start seeing these guys. This one woman, she had, uh, she, she uh, 
She had a severed spine. She was in a car accident two and a half years earlier. And so she was paralyzed from the waist down. And uh, she started moving her legs. And then she got up out of the wheelchair. We have this on video. And she starts walking towards me and Chris. And then this guy screams walking by. Like, like I'm telling you, there was so crazy. Just the amount of like spiritual activity and people just getting healed. It was, it was amazing. And, uh, and this guy walks by and goes, what did you just do to me? And I'm like, whoa, what are you talking about? So you just did some voodoo thing to me. And I thought to myself, well, voodoo is supernatural. So something supernatural is going on. He just didn't probably know how to identify the source. So I'm like, well, what do you mean voodoo? Like what's going on? And he goes, well, I have incredible knee pain. I've had two surgeries on my knees. Uh, and I still deal with a bunch of pain. I'm like, well, move around. And so he starts doing uh, squats and then he starts jumping up and down. He's like, and he's just screaming, like, I could do that before. What'd you do? That was voodoo. And I go, no, that's not voodoo. That's Jesus. And that's who Jesus is. And then he gets radically saved. And then the woman in the wheelchair gets saved who's not in the wheelchair anymore. She ends up seeing her aunt who they were, uh, they, they were, they were on a raft, a refrigerator door. Like, that was the crazy thing, is hearing these people's stories. You know, they were on a refrigerator door, and a crocodile was following them, and the, and, the, and the crocodile was getting, like, onto the refrigerator door, and the dog jumped in the water, and the crocodile went for the dog, and then, the, um, and then they hit a big tree, and the uh, ant got uh, tipped over, and they kept on going, and she had to climb a tree, and they didn't see each other. And now they're seeing each other for the first time. But she's seeing her, her niece who's completely, was completely paralyzed and now she's completely healed. And then the aunt had diabetes and she gets completely healed of diabetes. So it was a really good time in Houston at Hurricane Katrina. And that's just like a little snippet. I mean, that was just a little bit, it was pretty awesome. So uh, anyways, uh, I have a real heart. I, I've been to New Zealand at Christchurch where the earthquake hit there. I went to Haiti where, uh, in 2010 when the earthquake, so I have a real passion and a heart for natural disasters. So uh, I've just been really been moved with what go, what's going on in Puerto Rico. And, um, and so anyways, that's, I don't know. I just feel like too, like there's people here that you're called to natural disasters. You're called to bring power evangelism, but also, uh, you know, feeding, being strategic, uh, like medical tents, all that stuff. So if you have a heart to do any of that, just stand up right now. If you have a heart to respond to natural disasters, uh, and, and just bring like incredible need uh, and to see the kingdom of heaven break in. All right, perfect. So Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you for those that are standing right now. I pray, Lord, that, that you would begin to connect them to, to, to groups, to agencies, that you would resource them and that they would be, some of you are going to be like James Bond. You know, you're going to go in like behind the enemy's territory and you're going to take out the enemy and you're going to go in with quick strikes. And, and I just pray, Lord, that, that you'd begin to breathe on everyone here, that you would anoint their hands, you would anoint their hearts, that they would see the supernatural, that they would see salvation, they would see radical acts of kindness and that they would see justice. They would see the kingdom of heaven break in where there is death, where there is destruction and that they would bring life. I pray, Lord, for salt, that these guys would be torches. These guys would be light bearers, fireballs, where they would go into dark places. They would go into places where there has been so much destruction and they would actually see the kingdom of heaven break in. And this is the deal. I've seen epidemics bow before Jesus in natural disasters. 
So, uh, Lord, I just thank you that you're, you're going to take these guys as they step out in faith. They're going to begin to step into whole new places of authority. And so, Lord, rock them really good. Amen. All right. Yeah. Feels like we've done so much. Yeah, more. Uh, we, we have a couple of books in the back. Uh, the Risk Factor. I mean, this is outside the walls. Like, this would be the best book for you to get to get outside the walls. If you want to be equipped more and, and grow in this whole deal, the risk factor is huge. The, uh, Forward was by Bill Johnson and, and Heidi Baker. And so this is kind of like my mom and dad. And, uh, and it just really, really helps you take risk and, and really breaks off any fear, uh, breaks off any timidity, any place of, I don't know if this is for me, that this will definitely help you. Uh, you know, it, the the subtitle is Crossing the Chicken Line into Your Supernatural Destiny. And that's what this really does, is it get, helps you cross that chicken line. And uh, uh, anyways, then I have another uh, book by Dan Bauman. Uh, this guy is a legend. I really was praying and I really felt like I was supposed to bring a few of these books with me. Uh, this is an amazing book and, and a legend. We were actually, Wilson and I, talking about Dan at lunch. And this is a man that was... Uh, in prison for, in Iran for the gospel. He actually had a, a double life sentence. They thought he was a CIA guy. And so they uh, gave him a life sentence for that. And then at, at his court, uh, he looked at the judge and looked at everyone and told them the reason why he was there. And he began to preach the gospel. And so he got a double life sentence for preaching the gospel. And, uh, and so he thought, uh, uh, I won't tell you the whole story, but it's a pretty amazing story. And this guy is just passionate about Jesus and, uh, and so, and he just recently uh, had a pretty crazy deal where he was hiking the Nepali coast in Kauai and he fell. He fell a good 40, 50 feet, hit his head on a rock. He was in a coma. Uh, his brain was swelling. They thought he was going to die. And he actually had an encounter with Jesus while he was hanging on to life. And uh, when he came out, Lauren Cunningham, uh, a couple of different people, Andy Bird, they were all there. And he said, everything has changed. Like, I've seen Jesus. Everything has changed. It's all that matters is Jesus. And so anyways, it's just that guy's a legend. And I would encourage you to get familiar with that guy because he's amazing. But um, Jesus. Spirit of adoption was just strong tonight. I had a message, but I think maybe I should just talk about the spirit of adoption for a moment. Kind of see where we go. Let's just pray for this. You know, let's just do that. Let's just get rocked by the Father's love. Yeah, I mean, it's just so thick in here that I think we should just, yeah. It is. I mean, let's just take a moment. You know, let's just take a moment and let the Father rock us. I love, love, love just receiving from the Father. You know, I've had moments where I've gotten hurt or I've gotten disappointed. And it's always like Jehovah Sneaky for me. You know, he just like sneaks over and just, you know, puts his arms around me and begins to heal me where I begin to see from his perspective. And we all have dealt with hurt, with rejection, disappointment, and it's so important to let the Father heal you. 
And then as the father begins to heal you in heaven, then you begin to trust other spiritual fathers and mothers. And there's something about fathers and mothers and sons and daughters running together. That really, that, that's what's going to mark this next move of God. Is the spirit of adoption, this, you know, that, that Elijah and Elisha, the father's hearts being tor- towards the children and the children's hearts towards the fathers. That the, the only two places, the only one of the Ten Commandments that releases a promise is honor your father and mother. And it gives you long life. Who here wants to live a long time? Okay, so right there is like a cheat sheet. You know, you honor your father and mother, it gives you long life. Pretty amazing. I think it's one of the main ingredients for longevity of revival. That when we have an honoring of fathers and mothers and also an honoring of sons and daughters, that, that God is really, I had a dream about, about six months ago where the Lord said, Chad, I'm about ready to reveal myself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm healing the generations in this time. In the next seven years, I'm going to have three generations run together at a pace that's never been seen before. And then I'm healing the baby boomers and the Gen Xers and the millennials. And that really is the anointing that is, that is coming across the land, is that he's healing the generations. And, you know, I would just encourage you, don't, don't say any, like, don't curse any generation. You know, let's, let's, let's speak life, let's speak love, let's speak the opposite spirit of what, maybe what we're feeling or experiencing, but it will begin to bring healing to the generations. And there's something about the spirit of adoption and fathers and sons and mothers and daughters running together that sometimes in different denominations or in different circles, I'll get around people and be like, oh, this is my Elisha. You know, that, that, and I'm like observing, I'm okay, your Elisha grabs water for you, grabs, you know, the, the briefcase, drives you around, like it's this, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with serving. I love serving, and I'll probably talk about that a little bit. But, uh, but you, there'll be this Elisha, Elijah, and what's going on is this, is that they took the model and they took the story of Elijah and Elisha, where Elisha is serving Elijah, and, he, and the moment Elijah gets taken up in the whirlwind is when Elisha gets to step in the double portion. And if we have that kind of model, where we communicate to a generation that they're on spiritual timeout and that they serve us until, you know, so we could play. And then the moment when you prove yourself as a servant, then you get to play. But what happens is the younger generation begins to agree with the spirit of death so that you get out of spiritual timeout and you can finally step into your, you know, into your calling. Was that a little too much too quick? I mean, what happens is, is sometimes you'll get, like, we need to understand as a father or mother, you can't be fired. You can't be replaced. My dad will always be my dad. And so fathers and mothers cannot be replaced. They cannot be fired. And sometimes we have leaders that are insecure with their identity and they begin to see the next generation rising up and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, my job might be in jeopardy here. I don't want you to see how amazing these people are because I'm insecure of what you might think of me. 
And that's why we all, that's never too late to be a son or a daughter. Like, like there's never a, a time frame. Like I want to be a son when I'm 90 years old. You know, the ability to receive, like I'm going to have fathers and mothers and I already do have fathers and mothers spiritually that are younger than me. It's not an age thing. You could be a father or mother spiritually without having kids in the natural. That you would give your life to those around you. All right, let's just make this simple. Let's just go to Romans. Romans 8. I was, I was going to preach on giving yourself away and multiplication of fish and loaves and just getting rocked. And, but maybe. Maybe I'll swing that back around somehow. But let's just go to Romans Romans 8, verse 14. So here's Paul talking about the spirit of adoption. All those led by God's spirit are God's sons. For you do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children and have children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So why is Paul using this language, the spirit of adoption? Have you ever wondered that? Like, you know, orphans are not usually the most sought after and then they get adopted. Like, there's going to be stuff that they have to work through. But why did Paul use that language, the spirit of adoption? He was very familiar with Roman law, Roman custom, Roman culture. And he's talking to the Romans. So they understand this context that when you have a son or daughter in the natural, you can disown them legally in Roman, Roman law. But when you choose to adopt a son or daughter, when you choose to adopt someone, it is illegal to disown them. And that's why Paul is using the strong language of the spirit of adoption that he has chosen you, that, that, that there's you know, this place of confidence, security, of, of uh, I have found, like my spirit is screaming, Abba, Father, I found my dad. I'm connected to my dad. There's something that happens with the spirit of adoption comes on you where, where it releases this humility that comes from a place of confidence, that comes from a place uh, uh, where it removes jealousy, it removes envy, you know, there's no more competition. Because if you, there's people you should be inspired by, but, there, but you don't need to be someone else. You'll always be a bad version of someone else. You'll always be a carbon copy of someone else. Like, like, I don't need to be Benny Hinn. I don't need to be Bill Johnson, but I can be inspired. And it's always intriguing. Like, we have the school ministry students here, and I, lo- I love having the school ministry students with me. And when I was in school, you would notice this. And when, when I, uh, in, in the early 2000s, I would watch this and observe this, is sometimes those in second year or in first year, they'll start having similar mannerisms than Bill or Chris or even talk a little bit similar. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, noticed that, but, but I'll, I'll notice that from time to time, which is really good. It's really healthy. It means that you're opening your spirit. You're coming under someone's umbrella, father or mother, and you're saying, hey, I am wanting to receive what you're carrying. But what can happen is a, a, a you know, certain amount of time goes by where God will begin to say, hey, you know, like, don't, you know, begin to discover who you are. Begin to discover your voice. And then if you stay in that place, you'll just become a mini-me version of them. Like there's some different uh, places that, you know, some different speakers, I'll close my eyes, I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so. And then it's like, oh, no, it's their spiritual sons. 
You have to learn how to be the same son, the same daughter inside your father's house and outside your father's house. Because it'll be the other extreme where you're insecure and you're in competition with your spiritual father or mother and you're like, okay, you have a church of a thousand, I'm going over you know, to another city, I'm gonna have a church of 2,000. And it's like, no, no, you have to be the same son, the same daughter outside your father's house that you are inside and the same inside as you are outside. And beginning to be secure in your identity. I will never forget speaking at a conference with a guy named Bobby Connor. And it was one of my first conferences I ever spoke at. And this is like 2004. And so I go and I I have the morning session. Bobby's got the night session the night before. So I'm praying. I'm a little bit nervous. And Bobby starts out like like exposing a witch in the back. And she gets up and starts cursing him. And and he goes, if you don't repent right now, the curse that you're putting on me will be a boomerang and hit you. And so you better repent. And she like starts going this demonic tongue and he takes authority and she goes flying against the wall and she ends up getting set free and then she gets saved. And then he looks at a guy in a wheelchair and says, sir, you have bow cancer. God's healing you right now. He gets up out of the wheelchair and he goes, that's the power of God. And the light just explodes. And I'm going, okay. So that night in my hotel room, I'm praying. God, you've got to show up. Like, you've got to, like, I've, I's got to levitate. I've got to, like, lightning bolts got to shoot out of my, you know, fingertips or something. Like, like, God, you've got to show up. And the father comes to me and says, Chad, you have a decision to make. You could either come there tomorrow. You could, you could show up tomorrow morning, and you could either be a preacher and have great messages, and, you know, or you could go there and be a son. And as a son... You, you never have an okay message. You never have just great messages. Like as a son, you kill it every time. And when I was, you know, in worship, I was just like, okay, God, I have a decision to make. And I choose to be a son. There's, there's something about celebrating who you are in Christ that you begin to recognize, hey, there never was another Chad Deadman. There never will be another Chad Deadman. That there's something special about my DNA that I actually have the ability when I begin to connect with, with who I am, that when I begin to connect with the spirit of adoption and that, that I, my spirit comes alive and agrees with the spirit of God, Abba, Father, that there's something special in my DNA to touch the Father heart that no one else has the has the ability to touch that I could actually say with confidence I'm his favorite and what's so amazing about God is he has the capacity for everyone to have that revelation that it's the ability to touch his heart in a way that's authentically you Jesus I mean, Jesus would, would do evangelism. You know, he would be, he'd be hanging out with the sinners of the world. And he would tell them, if you see me, you see the Father. You know, so many people thought Jesus was this great mediator, you know, of the Father who wanted to come with judgment and kind of getting mankind to repent and to get right with God. 
But Jesus would be hanging out with the sinners of the world, the drunkards, and they'd be like, Jesus, what is it about you? We feel so safe, or we feel so free, or we, we don't feel judged. Like, what is it about you? We could feel this, this conviction that I'm drinking for, you know, because I'm depressed, or I'm drinking because I'm trying to escape, or whatever it may be, the motive of, of, of whatever it is that they were doing, where they were beginning to be in need, realize they're in need of a Savior. And he'd be like, oh, wow, if you like hanging out with me, if you feel safe around me, you're going to love hanging out with my dad. Because if you see me, you see the father. I mean, he would say things like the son could do nothing apart from the father. That word nothing in the Greek means nothing. (laughs) Meaning that he was completely dependent on the father. And if he was completely dependent on the father, how much more... Should we be dependent on the Father? And that we could say with confidence that the people around us could say, man, what is it about them that, that when we look at their lives, we see God all over it. We see the Father all over it. I mean, you would say that the Father and Jesus are pretty close, right? They've got a pretty tight relationship. Like, they, there was never a first date. There was never a first meeting. There was never a first moment that they met. They've always been. Wrap your mind around that. They are pretty connected, pretty close. And they always will be. There'll never be an end to their relationship. So you would have thought Jesus would have tell his dad, hey, I'm going to go down to the planet, to earth, and I got three and a half years of public ministry, three and a half years of discipling these 12 guys and passing the baton, getting them ready for this amazing baton pass. That, and look who you are giving me to work with here. I've got Doubting Thomas. I've got Judas. I've got Peter. He's going to chop a guy's ear off the, like, you know, the couple, like a night before I leave. Uh, you got, you know, I've got all these different guys. So dad, I love you, but I'm going to really focus on, on these guys. I'm going to really focus on ministry. But that's not what Jesus did. Like some of his greatest moments in ministry, some you know, of the moments, like, like the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, that, that was a moment where everyone was hungry, starving. They're in a desolate place. And, and it's almost like you would think the father, you know, multiplying the fish and loaves was the father in heaven endorsing Jesus' message of keep going. And it was at that moment that a lot of the people, their hearts begin to shift and begin to see this is the savior of the world. And he leaves and goes to be with the father. He loved hanging out with his dad. He loved hanging out with his dad. You guys doing okay? Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for the Father's love. I just thank you for the spirit of adoption. And that your presence is the safest place. It's where you heal us. It's where you love us. It's where we begin to find who we are. I was getting a sozo from uh, Donna Da Silva, who kind of started the whole sozo ministry. And I love getting sozos. I feel like tune-ups. And, uh, you know, if you don't get a tune-up or an oil change in your car, it's going to explode. 
And so it's really good. It's just really good to just take care of your heart. And, and I would encourage you guys, like, have a game plan to create the softest heart possible. I mean, Sozo is just one part of that. Like, am I crying in worship? Not crying because I'm sad. Crying because I'm so overwhelmed and just so full of, like, you're pitching yourself. I'm in the presence of the King of glory. This place of thanksgiving, of just, I'm so thankful. Like, this is ridiculous. And you're just, you know, so I usually, every season, I'm like, okay, have I had that happen to me lately? Have I, have I just laughed with the joy of the Lord uncontrollably where I'm rolling around the floor and just feeling the Holy Spirit and just being refreshed by him? Like, you know, have I given radically, like, generosity, you know, that have I prayed for someone with my own hands and they've gotten healed? Have I prophesied over someone that, that you know, have I gotten offended lately? Like, okay, that is an opportunity for my heart to be softened. Which is a whole other thing, by the way, which I don't think, I was about ready to talk about my so-so, but maybe we should hit this really quick. No, I'll hit this after the so-so deal. Okay. Sorry, I'm just talking to the Holy Spirit and I sometimes verbally process. But anyways, so-so, Donna De Silva, and I see I'm with the Holy Spirit and I see this mirror and I walk over to this mirror and it's shattered. It's, it's, uh, and so I I'm, I'm see like my image, but it's all like misconstrued. It's all, you know, uh, like, like, like I can't, it's distorted. And so I'm like, so I tell Donna what I'm seeing. She's like, well, ask the Holy Spirit what to do. And so I'm like, okay. And I asked the Holy Spirit, what, what do you want to do here? And, and he gave me a sledgehammer and it said breaker. And I was like, sweet, you know, sledgehammer, you know, it's got like the breaker anointing on it. That's awesome. So I take the thing and just, just whack that mirror and break it. And, and then I'm like, father, uh, I, what do you want to do now? And he, I see the father in heaven and he gives me his mirror. He's all, this is, this is my mirror. This is how, this is the mirror that I look at myself at. And so I go in front of the mirror and I see myself and I see so much beauty that I have to turn away. And I'm like, I can't look at that mirror. And Donna's like, you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you, but you need to look at the mirror. And so the Holy Spirit takes my hand and leads me in front of the mirror again. And I just like stare right at that mirror and I just see like beauty, beauty. And I'm seeing myself. And then suddenly I begin to see the King of glory. I begin to see the Lord. And the Lord speaks to me and says, Chad, you know, when you see me, you begin to have a revelation of who you are. And then when you begin to see yourself, that you begin to have a revelation of who I am. And that when you begin to embrace the beauty that, that you're made in my image, that, that I created you and you're beautiful, that you begin to discover how amazing the King of Glory is. And I just begin to weep where I begin to embrace, you know, that, that God's made me beautiful. I mean, I think there's a lot of us that, you know, need to look into that mirror and see the beauty that he made. It wrecked me. I think I'm a pretty good-looking guy. I've always had good confidence in that, but there was something different. Like, I never had self-image issues, but it was just this incredible, I can't even describe. What I saw was something I'd never seen before. I mean, I, that, that is like the big deal is a lot of us know God made covenant with us. He gave his only son. So he loves us and it's almost like he's stuck with us. But does he like us? And that's a whole nother deal with the father's love is that he likes you. He likes hanging out with you. 
Like, I know this sounds a little creepy, but in Psalms, it says he watches you while you sleep. Like, he loves hanging out with you. You know, God's going to begin to heal you of, of, of just, you know, whether it be disappointment, rejection, abandonment issues. And then he's going to start giving you fathers and mothers in this house, in this church, and in, in the church you go to. That there's fathers and mothers around you that, you know, we had the famous uh, scripture quote to introduce me, uh, you know, a prophet. When you honor a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's wilderness season, Right? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. No, prophet's reward. What that prophet is cultivated, contended for, uh, stewarded, you get, you know, what they worked for for decades. You get freely when you honor, when you value. And that word honor is value. When you honor your father and mother, that you begin to find value in what your father and mother is carrying, that you pull out the gold and you begin to connect your heart and position your heart of, wow, there's gold in those hills. Like, yeah, maybe I've gotten hurt from them, but you begin to reposition your heart and you begin to pull out the gold and you begin to create a place of honor and a place of value that if you, you receive a prophet, if you receive an evangelist, an apostle, if you receive a father or mother in the name of father, you receive that father's reward. And I have fathers and mothers in my life that, that are helping me in business, that, that are helping me uh, uh, with my marriage, fathers and mothers that are helping me in my spiritual life. I even have fathers and mothers that, that are helping me with my surfing. You know, like I have many different fathers and mothers, different types of fathers and mothers where, where I'm like, hey, I, I need what you're carrying. And sometimes it's the people that offend you when you first meet them that are called to be fathers and mothers in your life. Amen. Amen. It's true. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Then we're going to be landing the plane soon. You guys doing okay? So I, I, um, I went to uh, Harvest Rock. And uh, you guys know Harvest Rock, Cheon. Uh, it's an epic church in, in, in Southern California. And so I'd always travel there. And I grew up in Southern California. So I have a couple of friends that are like, you know, they, they don't believe the gifts are for today and all stuff. And I, they kind of think I'm a, like the crazy one. You know, the, the Chad, you're just a little different. You're an anomaly. Like, there's, you're, you're just weird, you know. That you're, and, and so I'd be like, no, it's available for all of us, you know. And, and, and so anyways, I tried to bring him to this Bill Johnson, like, with this conference. Bill Johnson, Heidi Baker, uh, all these ones. This is like 2004. And, and so about 10 of my friends were going to come and they, they, they can't come to hear Bill. And I'm like, dang, cause I was like sending them up for success. Cause when you hear Bill, like revival makes sense, right? Like healing makes sense when you hear Bill. And then the next night was Heidi Baker. And I was like, well, this is going to be a little bit more risky because she's going to lay on the stage and say Shaba for like an hour, but there's no denying the fruit that like a nation is being saved. Like, I've been to Mozambique. It's, it's amazing. Mozambique is incredible. That, that I've been to the prisons there, watched the whole prison get saved. I, I, we've seen so many crazy stuff. We saw a deaf and mute school get healed and then baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like, you want your life to be changed forever, watch a deaf and mute school get healed and then begin to worship the Lord in their spiritual tongue. Yeah, that, that will change your life. So I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. They'll see Heidi. And then they can't come see Heidi. So they came to the last night of the conference, and it was this lady, Jill Austin. 
Anybody been to a Jill Austin meeting? Okay, so you know what I'm working with. So I bring about 10 of my friends, and she goes, the Lord just spoke to me, and he told me what he wants to do tonight. There's people here that are pregnant in the spirit, and so, Lord, let the birth thing start, God. And she just bangs on the pulpit, and all these older gentlemen that were sitting next to me and my friends uh, begin to birth spiritual babies where these guys just go, Yeah, oh my gosh, is right. Like, so she goes, get in birthing positions! And so these men get on the floor and get in birthing positions. And then, and then she goes, where are the midwives? Raise up the midwives. And so other men who are not pregnant with a revival grab the legs of these men and they're screaming, I see the head! I see the head of revival! <laughs> and so, so... My, one of my friends grabs me and says, Chad, we came here tonight because we all know you're a part of a cult and we've come here as an intervention to take you. And I start thinking to myself, maybe I am involved in a cult. Like, what in the world is going on? And then I'm like, no, 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 it's not. I'm not in a cult. And I, I, I just grab him. I say, look at me. Don't look behind me. I don't understand what's happening. Just look at me. Just, just focus on me. And, and I grabbed a couple. I was in the second year at the time of school ministry. And I grabbed a couple of senior students. And we took them in a side room. And I, I, I made them put on this white robes and drink this weird juice. No, I'm joking. I, I brought them in this side room. And we just started moving to the prophetic. And God just crashed in and totally saved the day. And they're weepy. Like, God knows me. His voice is, you know still speaks and all stuff and it was awesome but as far as Jill Austin and her ministry was concerned I, I, I wanted to honor from afar like you know I'm not, that's not my cup of tea the, the birthing spiritual babies thing that's just not me like I'm going to just stick with the healing thing the prophetic thing and you know maybe that's your ministry but it's not mine and, and, and I don't feel like I need to be you know joining that ministry so anyways about a year later I go to lunch with a good buddy of mine and we're uh, out to lunch. Uh, I get in the parking lot and he meets me in the parking lot and goes, Chad, uh, I have a special surprise for you. I have a woman here that I really feel like has something for your life. And I'm like, oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much for bringing this woman. Who is it? And he goes, it's Jill Austin. <laughs> and everything in me was like, I think I have a doctor's appointment. I think I have a dentist appointment. Like, how do I get out of this lunch? And the Lord speaks to me and says, Chad, you have a fence in your heart. And, this, and are you going to let a fence keep you from growing in a relationship with me? And so I was like, okay, all right. I need to adjust my heart. I need to. So I went into that lunch and I began to ask her questions. I began to say, tell me your journey. Tell me about your God moments. Tell me about the moments in life when you thought nothing was going to happen. Tell me, tell me about your your battle wounds. Tell me about some of your victories. And after about an hour and a half, two hours of eating and, and laughing and crying, she opens her journal. And she uh, had this journal entry 10 years earlier when she was in the house of prayer with Mike Bickle and, and, and all the different prophets, Kansas City prophets. And she slides the journal over to me and says, I want you to read this journal entry that I, I put in almost 10 years ago. And so I read it, and the Lord says to her, Jill, you will have two spiritual sons. She was never married in the natural. She, was never, she never had kids in the natural. I will give you two spiritual sons, one named Sean, one named Chad. And she's sitting there crying and said, I've been waiting and praying for you for 10 years. And I could have let one of the greatest spiritual moms in my life slip away, never be in my life, if I would have let a fence keep me in that place. 
She ended up becoming one of the greatest moms, greatest best friends. She would take Julia out to breakfast and say, Julia, I've been a, I've been a woman in ministry for 40 years, 35 years. I want to help you. I want to help you as a woman in ministry. She would sit me down and say, Chad, you were a forerunner. You're a pioneer. I want to help you. These are the hits that I've taken as a forerunner. Let me, let me help you. She would have me speak at her conferences. And, and it was amazing because I would you know, show up. And if you want, you know, we're going to pray for impartation tonight. So that's going to be fun. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how we're going to do that. But anyways, uh, you know, impartation, there's so many ways to receive impartation. Laying on of hands is one of them. But one of the greatest ways to receive impartation from someone is just to do life with them. To care way more about them than the gift, the, the different things that are operating in their lives that that I would go and help Jill move. She, I helped her move like four times. And I would show up to her house and there'd be three or four people there to help her move. And she had a lot of stuff. <laughs> and it's so crazy to me that hundreds and even thousands of people would show up to her prophetic conferences, but there's only three or four people to help her move. And that's one of the greatest things that you pull out of Elijah and Elisha is Elisha received a double portion because he's like, I'm not going to leave your side. We're doing life together. I'm not here for a five-minute impartation service or here for a conference. I want to do life with you. And so I'd call up my junior high kids, my young adults, and say, hey, we're going to help a legend move. And we would help her move, and it was amazing. She was one of the greatest spiritual moms. Jesus. You're called to have many fathers and mothers. I call them bummer scriptures. You know, where Paul says, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. That's a bummer scripture. You know, Jesus talking to Nazareth, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. That's a bummer scripture. Meaning that he was actually trying to address something in the hearts of the people of Nazareth where there would be a response of, oh, wow, Jesus, you feel dishonored? Like, like we've heard about what's going on in Capernaum. Oh, we, we, you help us. We're so sorry you feel dishonored. Like, like it's, that's not supposed to be the deal with prophets. Prophets should not feel the most dishonored in their hometown. It's where they should have the greatest level of authority. And just like Paul saying, hey, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. He's saying, bummer, there needs to be a shift where there's way more fathers and mothers than there are teachers. And I'm telling you, they're out there. That if you would just position yourself as a son and daughter, that you would begin to understand that you are someone worth investing into. And that you would make it easy for fathers and mothers to pour into you. That you don't carry any spirit of rejection. Because there's a lot of times when, you know, we have in Bethel culture where we have many fathers and mothers around, but there's like 2,500 students. So sometimes, like I remember when I was a student and I was in first year and I went to Danny Silk and I said, Danny, I have a question, you know, can I ask you? And he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm late for a meeting. Okay, hey, no worries, I'll, I'll find you another time. And then next week I found Danny and I'm like, hey, Danny, can I ask you a question? He goes, oh, Sherry, you know, my wife is waiting for me in the car. I'm like, oh, hey, no worries. And then like a couple of weeks later, I'm like, hey, Danny, I had that question, can I ask? And he's like, man, I'm super late, you know, like I've got to go. And I said, well, well what about in four months? 
Well, you have like 15 minutes to spare in four months. And he goes, four months? Why would you ask me about four months? And, and he looks at his calendar and his phone and flips over and goes, yeah, my schedule's pretty free in four months. And I'm like, okay, well, put me down for two o'clock on the 16th. I'll be there. And, and he was just so perplexed. Like, why would you like, and I'm like, well, because four months is going to come. I'm not carrying a spirit of rejection. When you say no, you're just probably telling me good boundaries and that's perfect. I'm not personally offended by that. I'm just like, okay, perfect. I will come find you at another time. I am worth investing into. And that, that I always served my fathers and mothers. I put myself in the pathway of, of, of their lives, of their ministry, where I was like always the catcher. I was always, when I traveled, you know, I, I, I didn't want to just go into third year and graduate third year that I did a fourth year, a fifth year, a sixth year. Like I just enrolled myself in the school of spirit and positioned myself as a son that I would go and meet Bill in places and after graduating the school ministry and living in Southern California and I'd run his book table. Like, hey, I'm just here to like pour into you. And it's so crazy. Like I always tell God, I'm like, God, why did you not commission Heidi and Roland to like take over Mexico? Because it would be so much easier to be a son of Iris if they were like taking over Mexico. But it's so crazy because California, literally, the other side of the planet is Mozambique. Like, like from California, it's the most in, one of the most inconvenient places to go to is Mozambique from California. Like I've got to get on two 12-hour planes and then I've got to jump on another four-and-a-half-hour plane. Like, you're exhausted, but I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Yes, you are my father and mother's. Like, God is totally making this connection because it's the most inconvenient father and mother to have. <laughs> but it's so important that you get baptized in the father's love that Jesus had this in Matthew 3 when he was baptized in the River Jordan. And he comes up, John the Baptist baptized him and, and the dove, the Holy Spirit rests on him. And his father proclaims, this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased. And there's only two times you see the father speak about Jesus. And it's the Mount Transfiguration and, and the baptism. And both times says, this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased and listen to him. I believe every time Jesus went away to be the father, he just got lavished on by his dad. That he just loved him. That Jesus knew that this is one of the biggest ingredients of success is to receive love from his father. When I was 18, I had never been slain in the spirit before. For about a year and a half, I went on a journey where I was the HTR. I was the Oak of Righteousness. You know, I was always the guy standing up and everybody would be on the ground. This is the late 90s, Toronto, Brownsville was breaking out. I moved to Brownsville when I was 18 years old. I took a bus there from L.A. to Pensacola, Florida. Ended up leading the bus to the Lord. That was pretty awesome. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in a red Jeep Cherokee. And then three weeks later, I'm in this prayer meeting and no one is, is touching me. And I just close my eyes and say, God, I just want more of you. And that was my whole pursuit. I just want more of him. That I don't, I just want more. If there's more to have, I want it. And I want an authentic touch that I'm not going to do a courtesy fall for anyone. I'm not going to, I'm not, I have no insecurities. I have no, like, I need to please you. No, no, no. I want an authentic touch from God. And so I'm just positioning myself. And then I feel like I get punched 
in the stomach. I go flying a good couple of feet. I start shaking so hard on the ground. My shoes went flying off and I shake from one end of the room. My friend said I was a fish out of water being electrocuted. <laughs> but it was like this prayer meeting. I was aware of this reality, but it was like background noise. And I began to see another reality. And I began to see the father sitting on the throne. And I didn't even know that this was possible. I didn't even know this was legal. I mean, it says in Ephesians, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. If we're called to be ambassadors of heaven, we should probably be familiar with what heaven looks like. But anyways, it's a whole other subject. But I begin to see the throne room and I see the father and he's sitting on the throne and he leans towards me on the throne. He opens his mouth. I don't hear anything audibly, but out of his mouth comes waves. And it was waves of his love and it began to hit my spirit. And that's what was causing me to shake. It was the deepest revelation of the Father's love that I've ever received. And people ask me, Chad, how do you see like the miraculous? How do you see evangelism? And, 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 and how do you move in the prophetic? It's like, well, because I had an encounter with the Father's love when I was 18 years old. I was shaking for about a good four hours. And then they, the, my friends, uh, I was living in the dorms, and so they were trying to get my attention and saying, Chad, it's curfew, we've got to get back. And, and again, it's like background noise, but if I paid attention to what they were saying, I uh, felt like I was in and out. It's really hard to explain, to articulate. And, and, and I begin to understand, okay, they're asking me to like, come out of this encounter, and I'm about like, halfway in, halfway out, and I start, have this thought of, like, why would I want curfew to shut down this encounter? Like, I've been praying with this encounter my whole life let alone 18 months. I've been praying my whole life. And I just started screaming, Daddy, I love you! And then it just suddenly went right back into the throne room and I was gone, never knew about this reality anymore. And I came to about 14 hours later. So it was an 18-hour encounter that changed my life forever. But it was a baptism of the Father's love. It was this, this place where just the Father got a hold of my heart, hold of my life, and it just wrecked me. And it's just, it's, it's wrecked me every day since. That I don't live from that encounter, I steward that encounter. That it's brought me into a place of revelation that, that brings responsibility and then brings accountability. And so I'm accountable for what I know and who I know. And then it's been this place of just loving and being loved by the Father. And I'm telling you where we've had people trip up in the past is because they let hurt, they let offense, they, they, they let disappointment come into their lives. Like we're talking about another Jesus people movement. And we need to understand that, that my parents, they knew Lonnie Frisbee. And Lonnie you know, was this guy that was amazingly gifted, anointed. But he had some hurts. He was sexually abused as a kid by his babysitter. And his uncle found out and never told anyone. And, his, and he knew that his uncle found out and uncle didn't say a word. And, you know, he gets, he starts running around the Laguna Beach scene, doing drugs, getting involved in homosexuality, getting involved in all kinds of different sexual stuff. And then he gets radically saved on acid in the desert and Joshua Tree. And then he gets a part of, you know, the Jesus people movement. And he's married his wife has an affair on him. He gets hurt again. They end up getting divorced. And then he speaks at Mother's Day at the vineyard, which basically is this message of, hey, I'm back. And then just God just shows up like crazy. And this guy had preached over tens of thousands of people, been catalytic for three different moves of God, Calvary Chapel, uh, Vineyard, and Jesus People Movement. God used him like crazy in Brazil and South Africa and America and Sweden 
And one of my spiritual fathers, Eddie Purick, who was a longtime vineyard pastor with Mission Viejo and really moved in the Father's love. And so he had this whole revelation that I'm kind of talking about, the spirit of adoption. And so on a Sunday night, he speaks. And this is a couple months after Lonnie you know, confesses, hey, I messed up with another man. And he gets removed out of leadership, out of the vineyard. And he's feeling really hurt. He's feeling a lot of shame. And so he shows up to the Sunday night meeting. And Eddie Puric is preaching on the Father's love. And the Father's love comes crashing in. And he, he looks over at Lonnie. And he walks over to Lonnie. And Lonnie goes, he's just weeping. Is it really true that I could be a son? Is it really true that the Father could love me? Like, I don't know if you understand the gravity of this, that he had been like used by God. He had been co-laboring with the Holy Spirit where he had seen thousands of people get rocked by God's presence. On the, on the cover of Time magazine, the face of the Jesus people movement. And he is looking at Eddie Perot going, is it really true that I, he is questioning his identity? He's questioning his place of sonship. Because there's two places, there, there's two things the enemy's going to try to attack you in. It's, did God really say that? You know, the, the tree of knowledge, good and evil, which really is, you know, sabotaging your intimacy and what your relationship with the Lord. Meaning that you eat from this tree and that bypasses intimacy. That actually takes some work. It takes you showing up. You guys okay with that? In order to have covenant, you've got to have two parties say yes. Correct? Free will is a pretty big deal to the Lord. And so the enemy was like, hey, that bypasses all that. And you get freely without having to walk in relationship. Okay, that's a whole other subject. So the other thing is this, is the last Adam. Satan comes to Jesus and says, hey, if you truly are the son of God, speak to that bread. Speak to that rock and command it to be bread. If you truly are the son of God, throw yourself in the building and angels will come. And Jesus is like, I'm so secure in my sonship, I don't need to prove myself to you. And then the other party that's going to get, get you to question your sonship is the religious spirit because he walks through, you know, on the road and he sees the Pharisees and the Pharisees like, Hey, if you're really who you say you are, if you've really been sent by the father, perform for us a sign and a wonder. He had just come from a signs and wonders conference. He had the ability to move in signs and wonders. And he's like, I know what you're trying to get me to do. You're trying to get me to perform. You're trying to get me to prove my sonship. I'm so secure in my sonship that I don't need to prove myself. And I'm telling you, this is what Lonnie and a lot of people that are very, very gifted and anointed struggle with, where they have a place of maybe insecurity and they begin to move in their gifting and then they begin to get the praise and the accolades of man and then they get in that place of security like, okay, I'm only loved when I'm doing well. I'm only, you know, okay, that makes me feel good. Where you, Your only source is the Father because there will be moments with God where you'll be tested, where you want to get out of this uncomfortable situation, where you begin to manipulate God. Like, I mean, I'll give you an example. I remember having a season where I, I went to like three different churches in a row and three churches in a row, like crazy signs and wonders, like people getting up out of wheelchairs, all this stuff. And I was sharing the testimonies. I'm at the fourth church. And, and then this person was in a wheelchair. And so we began to pray and you could hear, you could hear as you're praying, someone's like, okay, if this guy really is legit, you know, he'll, this person will get out of the wheelchair. If, you know, this person, uh, oh, look, she, he prayed the first time and nothing happened. Oh, I, I, maybe he's not 
not telling the truth. Maybe he's not really moving in the anointing. Maybe, you know, you have all this like, where it's about a half an hour, you're praying, and you could feel stuff that's going on in the room, and you could hear some people there talking, and it's like you're in a very uncomfortable situation. And it's at those moments when you begin to see what's inside here. Where you just begin to just go, okay, God, I'm just putting my attention on you. I don't need to be rescued out of this situation. I just focus. I just focus my gaze. I'm not going to feel pressure from man. I'm not going to perform. I'm not going to. Because you could have the same outward things, but it's all about the heart. Meaning that if you're in the wrong heart and you want to be rescued out of that situation and you're insecure with your place of sonship or daughterhood, you could go to a place of, okay, hey, I know how to get God to come. I'll worship him. Does that mean worshiping him when you pray for healing is wrong? No way. But, it's, but if it's done out of the wrong heart, meaning God rescue me out of the situation, I'll scratch your back so you scratch my back, and that's manipulation, that's witchcraft. But when you come into a place where it's like, I don't care who's around me. I don't care about the pressure. And you just begin to worship the father because he's good. Because he's the healer. I mean, here's a guy that was moved so powerfully by God. And he still was questioning his sonship. And I'm telling you, this will be one of the biggest things for longevity is knowing that you're a son, knowing that you're a daughter, knowing that the Father's love is all over you and you're letting the Father just break in in just every place of your heart, every place that's been wounded, every place that's been hurt. I know that was the last story. To stand up with me. So as you stand up, I could tell you this. I have a really good spiritual father named Winky Prattney. He was a Kiwi. Yeah, good old Winky. I love Winky Prattney. And he was telling me about his dad. His dad's a Maori, which is, you know, basically equivalent of American Indian here in America. And, and I've got Chiricahua in my blood. So um, I, I just, I love American Indian heritage and the whole deal. And so anyways, I'm learning about his dad, who's full-blown Maori. And his dad was this amazing cyclist. And he would, uh, he, he would, so he had an amazing career. He's in his 70s. And he wants to do one last race, not to compete in it, just to participate and just to kind of bring closure to his career. And he had been retired now for all, all, like almost 20 years. And so he's like, but I just want to do this race, just participate in a three-day race. So I went to the board, and they're like a little concerned about his age. Like, will he be injured? Will he die? You know, like that kind of stuff. And, and they vote, and they say, hey, this guy's a legend in our sport, in our nation. Let's have him, you know, do the race. And Winky Prattney was going to uh, follow him in a car and video the whole experience. And so the first day they go and he's doing really, really good. Ends up finishing in the top 10. And they're like, okay, well, you know, it's not about a sprint. It's, a, it's about endurance. It's about, you know, uh, sustainability. Like there's no way he's going to sustain this pace. He's just, he's probably so sore. He's probably, you know, in a hyperbaric chamber somewhere right now, you know, like, like, like it's probably fine for him to take steroids because he probably needs them, you know, like he's not participating. So we don't need to test him for that. Like, like there's no way he's going to even make it tomorrow, you know? So they put him just in case he does make it. They put him in like the middle of the pack. So they put him in the middle of the pack and he goes and he starts working. He kind of hits a couple walls and he works his way back into the top 20. 
And so they're just going, okay, well, there's just no way. Like he might, you know, he, he, he might not even get out of bed on the third day. So, so just, but let's just put him on the, on the, you know, on the 20th slot. Because they were trying to also honor these guys that are like 20-year-olds in a competition. And it just feels a little deflating to have a 70-year-old like get 18th place. And so anyways, they, they put him in the, in the 20th spot and he's hitting some more walls, more than normal. And then he's dropping back and then he just finds another gear. Then he begins to find another gear, ends up getting in the top 10, the last like, oh, I'd say 10 miles. And, uh, and so I, I'm thinking kilometers because that's the way I've told the story. In the last 15 kilometers, he gets up back to the top 10 and he finds another gear and ends up winning the race. Breaks the tape. And so these reporters are talking to him. He's dissembling his bike. He puts it away. And, 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 and he, you know, Winky and his dad drive off. And Winky pulls off the road and says, Dad, how did, like, how did you do that? Like, and weren't you angry when they kept on putting you further and further back? And, and he looks at his son and goes, Son, it's not how you start the race that matters. It's how you finish the race that matters. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest ingredients to finishing this race well is the father's love is knowing that you're a son knowing that you're a daughter because you can never be a great father or mother until you learn how to be a great son or daughter and so just put your hands on your heart lord i just pray for the spirit of adoption i pray lord for sonship daughterhood in this room and that there is another Jesus people movement that's coming. And so Lord, there's Lonnie Frisbees. There's Lonnie Frisbees in this room. And I pray Lord that we would be Lonnie's that know the father's love, that know that we're sons, that we're daughters and that we would have many fathers and mothers in our life. Many fathers and mothers in our life that it would be so easy for us to be poured into that we would begin to trust again that you would break off hurt, you would break off disappointment, rejection, abandonment, and we say it's not too late. I don't know if there's somebody in here, you're thinking that of like, well, you don't understand, I'm just too old to be a son, to be a daughter. No, you're never too old to be a son or a daughter, to have the Father's love crash in. And so, Lord, I just thank you. Just thank you for the Holy Spirit just coming across this room. And I pray, Lord, that you would heal hearts, that you would begin to mend hearts, that you would create whole hearts. You know what, Rainer, just come on up here. I just feel like Rainer needs to release us the father's blessing just grab a, a microphone i think there's there, there you go and then just just stay in this place i just wanted to stay here for a moment because i feel like the lord is just is just breathing on hearts right now and just we just say it's safe his presence is the safest place I was six kids, 
and I would give my life for any single one of them. And I'm just a man. But I love my kids. So how much more does Papa love you? Father God, just just wrap up their hearts. Wrap up their minds. Wrap up any place in them that needs your love. I just bless you with this, the revelation that Chad talked about. The revelation that I think maybe for the first time or, or, or in a new way that we can all tangibly feel right now. I just release that revelation. You were made and created for love, through love, by love. So just say this with me. If you want to open your hands or, or just receive in, in whatever posture, just, just to yourself, out loud, however you want to express this, just say, Father God. Father God. I give myself permission. I give myself permission. To receive your love. To receive your love. And I release anyone in my life. And I release anyone in my life that may not have shown me a proper picture of your love. That never showed me a proper picture of love. I release them to you. I release them to you. And I release any judgment of them to you. And I release any judgment of them to you. Would you come and replace that with your love? Would you come and replace that with your love? I just want you to say this over yourself, and I encourage you to say it by the hour, by the day. Say, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. I am worth it. Yeah. I am worth it. And, you know, just with that, I feel like when I was talking about the mirror... Deal. Some of you are dealing. It's like almost like a small measure of self-hatred. It's not full blown, but it's a small measure of there's parts of you that you don't like. And that I just release the father's love that you would like and embrace fully who you are. That it is so difficult to love others if you, if you don't know how to love yourself. And here we are talking about outside the walls. That I believe that this is huge for outside the walls. Is encountering the love of the Father and bringing that to the nations. And then also encountering when you experience his love, it transforms you. It makes you whole. And that you begin to celebrate. That you begin to recognize, I'm worth it. I'm valuable to him. So Lord, just wreck us. I pray this is way bigger than a message. 
I pray, Lord, that you would take root, that there would be seeds of your love that are planted in our hearts, seeds of the Father's love, seeds of the spirit of adoption that would plant in our hearts and it would be soft soil. And it would take deep, deep root. And so, Lord, wreck us really good. Amen. You guys are amazing. You guys are so hungry. Uh, I think we should probably end it with a fire tunnel. And um, you guys like that, huh? But I just want to release an impartation that God would mark you with the Father's love. And that, that's what we're going to pray. And I'm telling you, some of you are going to get drunk for the first time. Because, you know, I'm serious. That the Holy Spirit, like, he leads you to the Father. And there's, like, I've had moments, you know, I talked about when I was 18 years old. I've had moments where the Father's come to me when in worship and says, Chad, I want to play catch with you. And he'll pick me up and he will just throw me. And then Jesus will catch me. And Jesus will look at me and smile and throw me up in the air. And the Father will catch me. And they'll play catch where I'm the ball for like an hour. Like he likes hanging out with you. He's a lot of fun. And that has a lot to do with the father's love. Is he's ridiculously fun. That's what good dads do. They play. They have fun. So bless you guys. We're going to get our team come on over here and we'll... Uh, maybe if we could have and just anyone that's involved in the ministry team can help us or on leadership um, can help us with the fire tunnel. Uh, books will be in the back. I might go over there in about 15 minutes and I'll sign a few if, if anyone wants to grab one and uh, have a signed one. I'll give like a prophetic word. But uh, anyways, love you guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Just get wrecked in the Father's love and come on through here through uh, the Father's love tunnel. Bless you guys.